Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Sharon Lever. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Principal Analyst Lori Wisdo and Principal Analyst Mary Shea to discuss their 2021 predictions for B2B marketing and sales leaders. Welcome, Lori and Mary. I'm delighted to be here. Likewise. Before we get into 2021, let's maybe just do a little bit of a recap for 2020. Lots has happened this year. So maybe you guys can just stick into a couple of the biggest shifts or dynamics that marketers and and sellers were dealing with and how they fared. Well, I think when we look back on 2020, we're going to think of this as a watershed moment, a time when marketing, sales, and buying is forever changed. You know, I look back on 2020 and, um, or or think, well, we're, we're still in it, of course, but it's really, and it came to the fore when we were thinking about the 2021 predictions because 2020 was almost like predicting the present because um, everything was sh- all shaken up and what was working before wasn't um, necessarily working now and what was an option before wasn't working now. And so um, it's just been a year of a lot of, a lot, losing a lot of, preconceptions about the way we do things, the things we do, and piloting a lot of things very quickly. And just a, a year where all change was accelerated. And I think it's been, and it doesn't feel like it now, but I think it's been a really good thing because it, it caused, uh, it got marketers out of their comfort zone uh, in, in getting, you know, really ready to accept that watershed year that Mary was just mentioning. Yeah, I agree with Lori. I mean, it's been a very difficult year personally, globally, from a health perspective, lots of concerns. But I also think it's been really interesting. And when I spoke at our sales kickoff at Forrester in 2020, I called 2020 the year of putting the human back in selling to get the humanity back into the sales process. And I was talking about this with no awareness of COVID at that time. And with my research showing that we were increasing, increasingly seeing the digitization of the buying process. And somehow I had the sense that buyers were hearkening towards a um, more human connection with more authenticity and empathy. And I thought that 2020 would offer the year for that. So um, I think we have seen that happen. And although it's such a challenge situation for people, I think that even as we are physically distant, what I'm seeing on the sell side is that the interactions are getting much more authentic, much more personalized. People are actually letting you and opening their homes to you. And the sellers that are able to adapt and adjust to that environment, i.e. Uh, making a great use of video, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous, are finding themselves having deeper, more meaningful connections than they have actually had before. So, you know, times of great stress and trouble, I think about the global economic downturn that led to, um, you know, the gig economy, which we saw new business models, new companies uh, launched. When I think about our last global pandemic, I think about the commercialization of the Dixie Cup. It was actually invented in 1907, but no one used it. It's kind of like if, you know, if, if the tree fell, no one heard it. But once the pandemic happened, people needed sanitary and efficient ways to consume beverages outside of their household. And it got successfully commercialized in 1918. So, I mean, it's been a difficult time, but I think the transformation that we see ahead of ourselves will make the connections between buyers and sellers um, much deeper than they've ever been before. 
So as we go into 2021, then, um, it sounds like we're feeling that, you know, we've, we've tested marketers and, and sales leaders have been tested in 2020 for sure. They've had to, they've been forced to adapt, whether they liked it or not, they've been forced. That adaptability, I'm sure, will continue to come in handy. But what of the themes or the things that we've already started to see in 2020 will continue in 2021? Let's start there, because I would assume there's some things that are continuation of 2020. And then there's probably other things that we're predicting that are completely new and different. But let's start with the first one. Which, which trends just continue from where we are now and into 2021? You know, the trend that I am following and most most excited about for B2B marketers is, is really the pivot to thinking about the buyer's journey. So, you know, when, um, in terms of the things that are going to continue from 2020, 2020 to 2021, um, you know, I, I, um, I think probably one of the most common comments that I've heard or certainly was hearing in, in June, July, and even early August is that we, you know, we lost, we lost the second quarter from a lead one perspective. We lost events, we lost our trade shows. And so what do we do to make up these leads? And the, the conversation quickly goes from, you know, we didn't just lose the leads, we lost the quarter, we lost the time. And so, you know, and so we still have this year, we still have 2020 to to drive revenue and business in. So the conversation quickly pivoted to how can we improve our engagement? How can we improve our conversion ratios? How can we accelerate, increase the velocity of deals? And, and you know, that is um, that requires you to start thinking about not me and my processes, but my buyer and what he's going through, he or she's going through, or the team is going through. And so that's a shift to being, you know, to buyer journey thinking that um, that has been, People have been dancing around it for a while. I mean, in, in if we ask B2B marketers, do they rely, do they have buyer journey maps, for instance? And like 78% say they do have buyer journey maps, but then only 27% tell us they use them in, in formulating their engagement strategy. But now when I'm trying to figure out how do I accelerate someone converting from this stage of their journey from discover to explore to buy, um, or how I'm trying to figure out how to make them do that or help them do that faster, uh, I have to be really, really journey aware. And that's a really great, for me, that's one of the, um, that pivot, that mindset difference um, of thinking about the customer's life cycle, the buyer journey is going to be a, a lasting let's just say philosophical change that will drive many tactical and te technology changes. And just to be clear on that, the, the driver of that, Lori, was what? Is it that there just wasn't as much new business and leads to be had? And so it was really became much more about sort of protecting the base and engaging with existing customers. Is that what the, the, the driving force was for it? Or was it more wanting some more of that humanity and connection with customers through the entire journey that, that Mary was talking about? The, the real driver for it was the fact that we are going to need to drive 2020's business and we didn't get the, the lead volume that we normally were, were counting on. So the only thing left is to drive what is to better convert the leads we had in process and to make them happen faster, to accelerate them. So that was the primary driver there. Now, other things that you just mentioned, the realization that we need to engage with more humanity, um, more empathy, more um, and the more genuineness, the things Mary was talking about definitely became part of that. 
but the real the real driver was very pragmatic. I mean, B two B marketers are really pragmatic people, and um, you know, it was it was very pragmatic. We have this set of things, and we need to maximize the revenue we're going to get from this set of active deals right now, active leads and lead management right now. Yeah, interesting. My research shows uh, some similarities. Um, one of the things that I really have been thinking a lot about it is agility and the need for every organization to be really agile. And I was listening to an earnings announcement from Microsoft early on in the pandemic, and Satya said, every organization will need the ability to remote everything at a moment's notice. And in the work that we do with our clients, I see and saw the organizations that had really committed to digital transformation and uh, made the right bets from a technology category perspective and the right partnerships with vendors were in a pretty decent position in a very difficult world and were better positioned to um, adapt to the new landscape. So I think agility, and we'll see this in business planning across all areas of the revenue cycle will be really important going forward. The other thing I saw in my research, which was really interesting, I did some survey research this summer where I, uh, I, I really wanted to see what business leaders, namely B2B uh, sales leaders were thinking about as they were going to start to embark on their 2021 planning. And I asked them um, a question around what types of factors are going to influence how you change your go-to-market strategy in 2021. The first factor, and it was just under 20% responded, um, uncertain economic conditions as it relates to COVID, which is not surprising at all. But the next four to five ones all circled around the buyer and buyer behavioral preferences and all the kinds of things that we've been looking at and Steve Casey and his research has been looking at over the last you know, three to five years. And I thought it was fascinating and also actually really exciting that COVID wasn't just driving all these changes, it was the buyer. And so um, these are the kinds of things that I heard in my research, uh, they were gonna focus on changing buyer preferences, the need for hyper specialized solutions, digitally oriented and self-directed buyers, um, the uh, increasing focus on the remote selling channel. These types of things were going to, are going to influence the go-to-market as um, business leaders plan for 2021. And Mary, on that point, were you kind of seem, seeing like rumblings of that over the past few years and now this was like the tipping point or did yeah. this all of a sudden kind of pop up? Like what, you know, what was the progression there? Well, we've been talking about changing buyer preferences and the gap that exists between selling organizations' ability to deliver those experiences for years now, right? And uh, I think in a hardship situation, like Lori said, we're now we have to make it work. We have to make the ship work, um, and so that's that's accelerating and creating some urgency around some of the trends that were already out there. Some of the big trends that I've been following for years: um, number one, the the uh, downward trajectory of the on-site sales meeting. In 2017, one in five business buyers said, you know, we'd rather not meet in person. We value efficiency. I'm, I'm a digital native. I'm a digital immigrant. I'm, let's just jump on a screen share. Um, so that's not new. We see um, the proliferation of, proliferation of SaaS outside of uh, tech, right? So, so then um, that sort of one-time sales motion becomes less important, right? So people want continuous value-added interactions across the entire life cycle. Um, buyers want tools to engage and interact now. So all this stuff had actually been in play. And so I just sort of think of COVID as a big accelerant, not versus something that, you know, something that was changing that wasn't there. I think the other thing that COVID has, and I definitely agree with the fact that I, I think COVID has been an accelerant. And, and in, in, in a, in a 
for B2B marketers, for sure, it's a lot of things that I think people knew they needed to do. But it's really hard to break out of old behaviors, old processes, you know, old commitments and, and, and experiment enough and, and change your philosophy. So I, I think it's a good thing that it was accelerated. But one of the other impacts, I think, is it also it has brought marketing and sales closer. Another another trend that was happening by virtue of the account-based marketing movement. Um, but because now it's very clear that both sellers and marketers are engaging with customers digitally. And um, so now we need a coordinated kind of strategy. Uh, so the customer gets a connected, consistent experience. And so the um, it's, it's caused a different level of uh, engagement planning and, uh, and, and bringing sales and marketing together, more thinking about the kind of content we need, the kind of behaviors we need, um, the kind of tactics we can use to, again, help buyers move through their buying journey. Let's dig into that technology prediction a little bit, because um, you both have mentioned it. Um, and I'm just looking through some of the predictions that you all have published for 2021. There are a lot of, I mean, it's not surprising, but a lot of technology predictions here. So nearly 50% of B2B marketers will use AI to offer personalized customer experiences at scale across the customer lifecycle. Um, back to that theme as well. More B2B marketers will use chatbots and virtual assistants. AI and automation will enable more than 60% of B2B sellers in 2021. So is this, I know it's just, it's an acceleration of kind of what we're seeing, but I'd be interested to get your take on how do you see that connecting with that humanity component, right? So buyers aren't going to be okay with that if it doesn't feel genuine and authentic and human and emotional and all that. We know that. So are we ready for that? Are our sellers, our marketers ready to implement those as more than just the new shiny object and really a way to engage with buyers and customers? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first on that with, with the, the marketing side of that. Um, first of all, the truthfully growing um, almost obsession with being more genuine, more spontaneous, um, but also giving the buyer what they need at that at that moment. Um, and um, that is something that has um I think it's one of the, you know, that has, that you can't really use these technologies if you have, if you don't have that kind of philosophy or, um, or haven't thought through what buyers might need at that moment. So, so that journey orientation is a precursor to this, but the technologies are also getting smarter. Um, so the, um, you know, we, we, one of the things that we, um, that we talked about was how the um, chatbots, um, AI enabled chatbots will get a lot better at, at guiding buyers, understanding the context of the buyer, understanding the previous beha behavior of the buyer, understanding what other buyers have found successful at this point in time in their journeys and offering up the right kinds of, of really useful guidance. And so, um, so there's, there isn't, there is a change in the technology um, that needs to be also, of course, guided or informed by the buyer, you know, by, by this buyer orientation. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of what we saw marketers doing, and this is why I said that the journey orientation, I think, was something that happened in 2020 that will carry forward into 2021. And how it will manifest in 2021 is by saying, how do I, how do I create this personalized engagement at scale? That, that, and and so the. Um, the use of personalization technologies that are AI empowered, uh, AI uh, enabled, uh, is was one of our our major our major predictions, and that is because you know there's buyer B two B buying journeys are very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people involved, and so the you know without one thing that has stopped personalization a little bit is 
if it's all rules-based, it's too difficult to think through all the permutations and that, that a buyer might encounter. So the ability to have the um, machine learning and the artificial intelligence um, recommend and make decisions uh, that are going to, you know, based upon prior successful outcomes uh, that are going to help that buyer move through a journey is, um, is a great accelerant. Um, now, is it risky to try these things? Yeah, it is. And, you know, people have been piloting, but the need for creating that personalized and valuable uh, contextually aware engagement at scale uh, when we know that more and more of our engagement is going to be digital. Because, you know, Mary's been talking about this, but, you know, we did some, uh, we, we, we surveyed buyer expectations, buyer journey dimensions pre and post COVID as part of our uh, priorities and journeys research. And um, our buyers told us across the board that post COVID, of course, they were going to be less reliant on sellers in person. No big surprise there because there aren't sellers in person. But but surprisingly, they didn't say that sellers via email or phone were going to jump to the top of the more important list. Instead, websites and um, and web webinars and websites were the two things that were at the top of the list. So we know that the web experience um, and the engagement with our, our digital channels is becoming a bigger and bigger part of delivering an optimal customer experience. So again, these these are the the, the was the buyer journey mindset shift was necessary. But then once you have that shift, it's like, okay, what technology is out there to help me scale this engagement? Yeah, interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge Lori a little bit for a moment, say that sales meetings actually are happening in person. They're just not happening on site. So the sellers who have figured out how to engage in a highly personalized way across synchronous video um, are doing a tremendous job. So um, I'm consciously trying to move away from that in person because we actually are in person, um, but we're just not physically on site in, in an analog world. But um, very much in agreement with all the things that you said, Lori. And I think you know you'd have to be kind of under a rock not to know what's happening in the sales tool space because uh, you know there's one unicorn announced after the next out there. And um, you know, two or three years ago, every sales technology uh, provider had some sort of embedded automation or AI. And I think it was almost unnecessary from a marketing perspective versus from something that was actually driving relevant real business outcomes. What we've seen over the last couple of years is that the technologies have matured. Now, certainly there's a lot more uh, that needs to happen in order to make it um, truly, truly transformational. But we're at a place now where uh, automation and AI can really start to not just drive efficiencies, because I also think there's a little bit of a bad rap around just it's all sales tools are just about efficiencies. But where I see the excitement and where my my enthusiasm is for the effectiveness, the ability for these tools to enable, and Laurie was really saying this, better interna interactions, better connections. Our research shows that sellers today spend about 16% of their time in actual selling activities. So, you know, conversations like this or um, pitches or, um, you know, networking or building relationships, negotiating, that's actually not a lot of time. So one of the reasons I think that AI and automation will really help sellers is on the effectiveness side. Um, you'll be able to get uh, recommendations on next best action to take. What's the best channel? What's the best time? What, what prospect or customer has a higher propensity to want to listen to um, your solution? Who should I spend my time with, A or B? So when I, I did my research this summer, I found that 57% of B2B sales leaders plan to make deeper investments in AI and automation. And specifically, I'll share a couple of them 
the top ones with you. One, uh, 20, over 20% 20 said they wanted to automatically capture and upload sort of the human behavioral activities between buyers and sellers. So that's exciting because it takes sellers out of the data entry game. Um, they're pretty high paid to do data entry and a lot of our clients and hopefully I won't embarrass anyone in today's call are still asking me, Mary, how do I get my sellers to enter data into Salesforce? Well, you don't, you lost that battle. Let's go on to the next one. So that's super exciting. Um, the other one is make a recommendation to seller on the next best action to take with a buyer. So what is the right piece of content? Uh, what is the best format of that content? What channel should I share that content in? And so on. And so with these capabilities, um, again, they're early days, you're going to start to see sellers deliver uh, much more personalized and, and meaningful experiences to buyers. And I think that's great. How do you anticipate in, in 2021 specifically marketing and sales working better together? If they're both investing in some of these technologies and, you know, because the 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 ground is sort of shifting right with underneath them but and they're also moving and i'm assuming you would want them to be moving together so what do you what are your thoughts on on that um for 2021 so i'll jump in on that laurie if you don't mind and take a first uh, a first pass at it but i wrote a report several years ago called b2b buyers mandate a new charter between marketing and sales and the premise on that report was that you know, you could have all the CEOs, all the Forrester analysts, all the consultants tell marketing and sales they have to be working together. You can have uh, HR and ops move their desks together. You can do comp, but at the end of the day, it's still not going to work. The buyers are the ones who are actually driving um, marketing and sales to get together. And because now we're even remote, we need to have the right systems in place. They need to talk to each other. You need to have a great customer data strategy. Uh, deal teams are getting larger that include marketer, not just sellers, but also marketers, sales engineers, post-sale folks. Um, and so you have to be able to work together and connect to deliver that connected experience because buyers really don't, what, what they tell me is we don't care how our suppliers are organized. We don't care what you call their salespeople. Um, we want to interact across different routes. We're not loyal to one or the other, but I want everyone to know what I said to the last person I spoke with. Um, so there needs to be that continuity that comes from interconnected systems. So I think we'll see more work on integrations among marketing and sales tools, better customer data strategies. And then I, I, I think, um, you know, th those are, those are the primary things I think that will, will, will help, um, help bring us together. I don't know, Mark, I don't know, Lori, if you have any other thoughts. I, I, well, I agree with everything you said um, for sure. I think that the question I get a lot when you said you get a question that you you, you tell people that you know you, you move on from that question. The question I get a lot that I tell people to move on from is how do I align sales and marketing? And when we talk about aligning sales and marketing, we're usually thinking about that from an inside-out perspective. We're thinking about that from how do we get our um, our processes um, aligned so that when I've got a lead to a certain stage, I toss it over as a sales qualified lead to the selling channel and they take it from there. And that's alignment because I don't want to miss on that alignment. And um, the, in the last year, I, I read a report that said, you know, again, go beyond that because it's now about, as it's just what you're saying, Mary, it's about calibrating to the customer. Because if both sales and marketing are calibrating to the customer and the customer's journey and the customer's needs, then, then we're going to be aligned just naturally. And it's going to be aligned in a way that delivers maximum value. And, and then we need to recognize that particularly as, as buyers 
again, COVID accelerated the digital um, trend, but it's an, it's a blended uh, engagement strategy across multiple channels, digital channels, uh, human enabled, uh, digital enabled human engagement. And it, then it comes down to all the things you were saying, Mary, about the, the common view of the customer, that rich behavioral data that's used to make recommendations of the next best action and the next best channel, the next best content. And I'm really the, you know, kind of realizing that we're, we're, we're both coming in and out, sales and marketing are both coming in and out of a you know a complex engagement pattern with buyers as they move through their journey uh, at different times with different purposes. And it's you know it's not just marketing owns this part of the process and sales owns that part of the process. Yeah, nobody cares anymore. And I think the buyers will actually inflict pain on their suppliers if they don't get it right. So if marketing and sales isn't aligned, or if there are hiccups and um, issues along the buying process, uh, the buyer will simply go on to the next pipe. That pipe could be my own self-discovery, um, it could be a competitor, it could be a different salesperson, um, and then you lose control of the experience you're trying to deliver. So I think the buyer will, like I said, mandate it. So as we look towards 2021, you know, CMOs and sales leaders are planning right now for it. Um, sounds like there's a lot of opportunity but Lori, Mary, could you highlight maybe for our audience, what's the one thing, Lori, we'll start with you. What's the one thing that B2B CMOs you think are missing in their plans for 2021? What aren't you hearing enough of that's going to you know, leave them ill-prepared for the next year? Well, I still think I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hearing enough um, recognition that we're going to be needing to move with a great deal of agility. And, and that means uh, a, a, there's still a little bit of, you know, we're in uncertain times, but there's still going to be a need to, to be always be piloting and the, and always be trying new things, be ready to fail fast. Uh, and so I think there's a little bit of a, you know, we, we recognize that we're going to need to be doing things differently, but the 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 sense of the agility with which we're going to need to work, uh, and and the, the 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 speed with which we're going to need to learn what's working and what's not working, I think hasn't been fully factored in. And just by the fact that I still see people putting together kind of year long plans, thinking about you know which is how the planning cycle used to be, and now it's going to be like kind of all. You know, always be always be piloting is something I say a lot, but it's kind of now always be planning too. And so planning is going to become um, not a um, you know not a periodic thing, not even a quarterly thing. It's going to be a constant a, a constant um, continuous improvement um, behavior or or process really. Yeah, I really like that, Lori. And just to build off it a little bit, I guess I'll just I'll leave the sales leaders out there um, with just a piece of advice. Um, take the watershed moment that's been given to you. Hopefully this only happens once every hundred years, but you have a moment of great transformation. So use it. And when you go about your planning for 2021, I would factor in some little experiments, find ways to spiff or compensate non-quota carrying employees. Think about new ways to acquire talent. Think about running experiments in terms of how you structure and align your sales territories to buying motions versus digital and analog boundaries that don't mean anything anymore. You can do it. You've been given the license and I'm not saying blow up the whole revenue generation machine that that will make your your tenure less than 18 months. But take this moment and make some experiments and make your organization truly buyer centric. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. It's been my pleasure. 
If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.